Welcome everyone. I'm Melody Benjamin. I'm Vice President of Member Services for Nebraska Cattlemen. Uh, we are proud to sponsor these monthly webinars in partnership with the Kentucky Cattlemen and the Minnesota State Cattlemen. Uh, we host these webinars the first Tuesday of each month and uh, we will probably be pausing for November and December, but uh, stay tuned. We'll be letting you know about those. We hope you enjoy our webinar this evening. Uh, your input is sought and appreciated. So please, if you have any concerns, questions, topics, let us know. We'd like to uh, hear from you. Nebraska Cowman has a really busy time this week. Uh, we have this webinar tonight. We're hosting NCBA President uh, Marty Smith and his wife Carol in Nebraska for a few days. Uh, we have an NCPAC fundraiser uh, tomorrow evening. We have a board meeting on Thursday. So a kind of a busy time. We want everyone to know we do have plans underway for the convention in Kearney. We will be having an in-person event that will be as close to normal as we possibly can do it. That'll be uh, December 2nd through the 4th, as I said, in Kearney. Cattlemen's College will be December 1st. And that's the plans right now until the health directives change and let's hope that doesn't happen. We have a few housekeeping things for tonight. Um, if you have questions for our speaker, please type those in the Q&A box and they will be answered at the appropriate time. If you are having any technical difficulties, uh, text Benita, her number is 402-450-0223. That's 402-450-0223. We will be recording this tonight and it'll be posted on the Nebraska Cattlemen website. You can also find our webinars wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Tonight's speaker is with one of our uh, partners, Alanco Animal Health. Eric Steiner is a Senior Director of Government Affairs, leading legislative and regulatory advocacy at the federal level. He collaborates daily with uh, members of Congress, their staff, the regulatory agencies such as USDA and FDA, international trade negotiators, foreign officials, as well as livestock trade associations in order to achieve a collective success. Tonight, Eric is going to provide uh, some updates on the US-China trade agreement, including the specifics and the implementation of phase one of the agreement for livestock. Remember, if you have questions, type them in down there at the bottom of your screen where it says Q&A, and Eric will answer them at the appropriate time. Enjoy tonight's webinar. Here's Eric. Thanks, Mel. And thank you for each of the associations uh, doing this this evening. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you all for everyone uh, tuning in. I know there's a lot going on. This is a difficult season in more ways than one. And I uh, do appreciate your time and, uh, and attention to, uh, to this issue tonight. Yeah, this evening I'll update on the ongoing U.S.-China trade negotiations and outline how you can help make this China opportunity a reality. The goal tonight is to lay out the market conditions that will provide a brighter outlook once we get past this very challenging season. Over the last two years, Elanco has been engaging in the U.S.-China trade negotiations with the actual negotiators, including our CEO Jeff Simmons, along with other members of our executive team. Phase one of the U.S.-China agreement includes four big items for U.S. beef. The first is that the China approval of beef hormone implants that were previously banned. The second 
China doubled the number of U.S. beef plants approved for export to China. Three, China removed outdated BSE restrictions. And fourth, specifically committed to negotiations for China to allow U.S. beef raised with ractopamine. In Alanco, we call it Optiflex. We know there's other, uh, our other competitors use different trade names, but ractopamine is the, is the drug that we're, that we're talking about tonight. An overview of ractopamine in China. First, it's important to know that ractopamine has the codex standard for food safety. It's internationally recognized, and it really is the gold standard, in part because it costs several million dollars extra to prepare the scientific submissions. It's more robust even than our submissions to the FDA. Uh, the second thing to know is that China banned ractopamine in China 20 years ago. This is during their clembuterol scandal. Some of you may remember that. And in China, the word for clembuterol is the same word that is used for ractopamine. It's because in China, they, they talk about the drug at a, at a higher level description and not the actual trade name. So when people were using clembuterol illegally, people were getting sick, people are actually dying in, the, in China. Unfortunately, the same word for clembuterol is the same word for ractopamine. So to, uh, at, at the time, China made the decision, we're gonna ban ractopamine because again, everyone knows it's the same as clembuterol. Again though, phase one of the US-China agreement includes negotiation on resuming the use of ractopamine in US beef exported to China. And this will happen in two steps. First, China will conduct a risk assessment. And then, number two, China will negotiate with the US to determine terms of trade consistent with the findings of China's risk assessment. Now, while there's not a specific timeline for implementation of the ractopamine related provisions, progress is occurring and looks positive for the first half of next year. Now, why we're bullish on China phase one. This action is consistent with China's 2015 food safety law, which was based largely on Japan's 10 parts per billion. China's law that they passed in 2015 would allow for the use of ractopamine without having to use the word. Again, it's, a, it's an issue within China of ractopamine being the same uh, word as clenbuterol. By taking the 2015 law and putting it into practice, they, again, they could use ractopamine in their supply chain and not have to use the word. China's goal is to establish 10,000 MRLs or maximum residue, letters, uh, maximum residue levels by 2020 and establish their own capability for establishing their own MRLs. This is significant because up to this point in China, there were zero MRLs and China relied only on codex or other scientific bodies. China in phase one agreed to conduct a risk assessment for ractopamine, again, consistent with the US label and with codex. And also very important to note why we're very uh, bullish and positive on this. China has met their timelines for all meat related provisions. Uh, not too long ago, uh, we might have thought we were uh, not reading it correctly if, uh, if we knew that China was actually had met all their timelines for the trade agreement. Backing up to more of a big picture, I, I wanna underscore that this is a really an extraordinary development. Because if not for African swine fever, we would not be talking about this today. Due to African swine fever, or ASF, China is facing at least an 18 million metric ton of pork shortage. And this is now compounded by Germany being delisted in September when ASF was found in their herd. If China approves ractopamine, then exporting additional US beef and pork to America's potential could reduce China's pork gap by 17%. 
again, 18 million metric tons is a whole lot of meat. And if U.S. beef and U.S. pork exported everything we possibly could, it would only narrow that gap by 17%. That's why we know the demand uh, in China is, is there today and is going to be there for quite some time. A couple other macro level considerations. Uh, you may have seen in the papers or on TV that there's a lot of rhetoric right now between the heads of state, between our president, between their president. And so far, uh, this issue of rectopamine has stayed below the radar and talks about rectopamine are continuing. So even amidst the geopolitical issues, the nuclear proliferation, aggression in the, in the South China Sea, uh, we are still continuing this. I, I think it's important enough of an issue that China knows that they need the, the food to provide for their, to, their, to their population. And the US has beef and pork that we can send. They're gonna do whatever they can to try and make that possible, regardless of the, the higher level disagreements that are going on and the extra positioning that's going on right now. Also, for, for those of you who may already know this pretty well, the Optiflex Ractopamine means value for the US beef. An average of $27 per head to the producer and $10 per head to the packer. So just for growing the same number of cattle, that's an extra $27 we want you to be able to keep you know, in your pocket. While China represents a significant market opportunity for US beef, we could use your help to make this market a reality. And I'll, I'll close with this. We'd really like to ask you to please consider reaching out to your congressional delegations in Washington, DC with the following request. Support the full implementation of phase one of the US-China trade agreement. And then in turn, ask your House and Senate offices to weigh in with the White House, the Vice President's office, the US Trade Representative and USDA. They'll know what you're talking about. And then when, the congr when your congressional delegation reaches out to USTR and USDA, we'll be in good shape to maximize the potential of the China market for US beef. Also wanna mention NCBA has been very helpful on this, the administration, could use continued political support to help make this a priority. They're doing well, but they need to be reminded uh, you know, over and over again. If you might think of like the squeaky wheel, you know, gets the grease. Uh, this is very positive, has great potential. We wanna keep sure and make sure that our voices are heard in DC to help make sure that this will happen. So with that, I'll close and uh, we'll begin to take questions. And uh, again, really thank you for this opportunity. And uh, I look forward to discussing further, you know, whatever's on your mind. Thanks very much. Let's see, Mel, maybe I'll just ask, uh, can people ask through the Q&A feature of this webinar? or are there other ways that uh, folks can ask questions? Yes, we'd prefer that they use the Q&A, but if they're on the phone and they can't, uh, we can't do that, if they would text Benita at that same number as 402-450-0223, she will share the questions. Excellent.
you sure we've got some questions for Eric. This is a pretty big deal, getting uh, beef into China and making it so that conventionally raised beef can get into China without having to jump through the hoops. So I know you've got questions. We can keep it anonymous. Just type your question in there and we'll uh, get them answered for you. Eric, I can start this question session off. Um, you talked about that big uh, 18 million metric ton deficit right now that we're seeing in China. Um, it, what about that timeline? It, obviously, that meat's probably needed right now with AFS um, been ongoing here for a while. Um, can, can you talk about a timeline of, of when we could start seeing an increase in exports from the U.S.? Yeah, thank you. I I would say my my best guess right now, and it really is a guess, is uh, is probably in the first half of next year. Uh, that that doesn't I know that doesn't doesn't narrow down very well, uh, but the work does need to continue. China will do that risk assessment, and then based on that risk assessment, they will uh, ne negotiate again with our trade negotiators in the U.S. Um, one one thing we do feel pretty confident is that China is uh, is been been ready for this. They are prepared. Uh, they're working with with JECFA over a codex, which is part of that process, and uh, they're working through the process with the U.S. Uh, to do the risk risk assessment. And we we don't foresee any new science need to be developed here. This is a, a molecule that's been around for a long time, has proven very safe and effective, and uh, and we we hope to have that done as soon as possible. Um, but we're really waiting on China and the U.S. negotiators now to, to complete their work. Uh, but my best guess, again, is, is about the first half of next year. Okay, Eric, there's some questions there. Can you see them? Yes, yes. And I, it's a good question here. The upcoming election in the U.S., could this have an impact on the future progress of the trade agreement? I, I'm glad you asked. And, and thankfully, uh, I would say at this point that we do not see that having a, an impact on this part of the negotiation. Uh, we, we know the, this administration, uh, Pre President Trump and his team have, uh, have done very well. Uh, Greg Dowd, the, or I should say Ambassador Greg Dowd with the U.S. Trade Representative uh, has done very well about this. He, he knows cattle. He was raised on a, on a cattle farm in, uh, in Kansas. He understands this issue very well and has really done a great job in pushing this forward. Uh, we also know that those who are advising the uh, Vice President Biden's campaign are also very well known to the agriculture community and they're very much on the same page. They understand this issue, they understand the molecule, and they understand the importance to not just the Chinese people, but to the exporters here in the U.S., to, to cattle producers you know, across, the, across the country. Uh, so, Again, there may be other factors at a higher level uh, that the U.S. and China may have continued disagreement about, but when it comes to exporting beef, exporting pork to China to feed their population, uh, I, I would expect to see this continue below the radar. You may not see this in the papers much. You're not going to see it on TV, uh, but this is one thing that they can continue to do to, to really help uh, both countries. And uh, you know, we, we've got the meat to sell. Uh, they, they have meat that they need to buy. And we think this is a good win-win, uh, and that that should not be affected by uh, by whoever wins the election. Uh, also, just as to put out a uh, a good word for the career staff, the permanent staff within the U.S. Trade Representative, 
those are the negotiators. They are not politically appointed. Again, they've been excellent to work with for the last couple of years. They will stay in place regardless who wins this election. And they really are the, the down into the details, expertise, and they're really doing an excellent job. So we, we see that uh, high confidence that will continue and continue to be done very well. Good question. Okay, I'm reading through here. What will happen if China doesn't come through in phase one? At this stage, if they do not come through with phase one, if they don't approve the use of ranctopamine, then the U.S. cattle producers would that want to sell uh, and export to China would would not be able to use ranctopamine uh, in their in their process. Uh, that, that would really be too bad, and really be a shame. Uh, now is not the time when we want to see less money in, in your pockets. Uh, we know the product works, it's safe. There's no, there's no reason for China not to accept it at this point. And that's, that's really just money that's coming off you know, per head. Uh, and that's, that's really why we're, we're working so hard to make this happen. Again, we're not the only makers of ractopamine, um, but you're the, you're the customers. And if you aren't winning, if you aren't doing well, then you know, that's, it, it's not good for us either. Uh, so that, that's why we're pushing so hard you know, behind the scenes and, uh, and up front with our negotiators on both sides uh, to try and make this happen. Okay, a question here. Uh, how big of a difference would it make if China would take our beef or even other countries that have this ban? You know, there's there's probably some uh, some ag economists out there who can speak to this uh, uh, much more clearly than I can. Uh, I would take a stab at this though and say uh, there is not enough beef and pork traded in the world right now to make up the deficit that China is facing. Uh, we we expect that that China will will approve ractopamine for the the process in the U.S. and and then also from other countries as well. Uh, because they, they're facing such a shortfall. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about, I may go into just briefly, uh, we know that China is, is working to repopulate their herds, uh, but I think it's also important to, to note that China is really taking advantage of this opportunity to try and, and make the, the large commercial size herds uh, much larger and make that a, a large, much larger percentage of their, of their pork production. And when they do that, they'll have better uh, biosecurity uh, bio controls. They will hopefully be more resistant to uh, outbreaks of African swine fever or other items in the, in the future, that they can uh, protect better against that and protect their, their food supply. Uh, but at the same time, that's gonna take time. And they, they, they know that for the foreseeable future, they're still gonna need US beef, they're still gonna need uh, US pork. So I think it would take a long time for them to, to become uh, uh, quite self-sufficient again. But what, what is encouraging though, is China does want to become self-sufficient uh, in, in the right way. And, uh, but that, that opens the door for, for science to, to be the, the standard that they use. And that's, that's good for the US.
Okay, another question here. What's different about this process with beef versus what happened in pork? Yeah, I, I think a, a way to kind of describe this, uh, and, and Tanner, you can jump in here too. You may have a, a better way to describe this. I think what we've seen with pork is with a much shorter life cycle, uh, it's, it's much easier to, uh, for, for uh, pork producers to take ractopamine out of their uh, supply chain. Uh, pork is valuable uh, for, for ractopamine, for using ractopamine. Uh, pork producers would get about $5 extra per head if they were using ractopamine. And, and this is gonna help uh, pork producers too. If they accept ractopamine into their food supply and their supply chain, then we would expect that to be uh, equal, equal benefit for pork as well as uh, for, for beef. And I think you would likely see uh, the US pork supply uh, come back to ractopamine use uh, to, to take advantage of that, uh, the extra meat production, but especially the, the extra profit. Again, $5 more per hog for, uh, for growing the same number of hogs you know, it's, 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 a, it's a gimme, I mean, and that's net profit. You know, again, for cattle, 27 per head, that's net profit after you've, you've bought and used the, the molecule. Uh, with uh, the longer uh, life cycle for, for cattle, it's uh, much more difficult to, to change that mid-supply uh, mid, and, and mid-growth uh, stage. So uh, it, it can take longer for beef to, to want to adapt to that. It was easier for pork to take that out uh, uh, of their supply to try to take advantage of the Chinese market. But again, China, uh, I'm sorry, the U.S. can't grow enough pork to, e even with using ractopamine, to make up the, that delta, the 18 million tons uh, shortfall. So uh, it's going to take pork from the U.S., but it's also especially going to take U.S. beef. Uh, another question here, how's China handling the approval of packing plants in other countries which could potentially export beef to China? Uh, I, I don't know enough to, to give a good answer there, unfortunately. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but that's, that's something I, that I'm sure they're probably working on. Uh, but we'll have to, have to see how that goes. I'm sorry, I just, I just don't have enough information myself. Uh, question here, what kind of significance has COVID had on this trade agreement? Uh, as far as this portion of phase one, uh, very happy to say it, it's had little to no impact. Uh, that's, that's been very beneficial when the negotiators have known each other and worked together for so long from both sides that when they had to switch to uh, virtual meetings and do everything web interfaced, uh, they, they're meeting regularly. I, I, I do know that. Uh, I'm, I've been asked, I'm not at liberty to share uh, exactly how frequently that is, but they are continuing their work. And if anything, it, in some ways, it almost makes it easier because they don't have to travel from one country to the next and adapt to the different time zones. They can, uh, they can schedule their, their Zoom calls or their, their webinar calls and, uh, and proceed. Uh, I think that's only possible because they got to know each other so well before COVID hit. Uh, so at this point, it, in a sense, that they've been able to continue uh, without having uh, much negative impact. Uh, so thankfully, uh, that's that's the good news that that we've uh, we've been told. Oh, 
Let's see, there's a question here. Is there a possibility the Chinese risk, risk assessment rate or time of application of ractopamine in our feed operations compared to current programs? Uh, I, I, I do not know, um, uh, unfortunately. Again, there's, there's probably others that could uh, answer that question a little better, a little more succinct. Um, I don't think China is looking at their evaluation of the risk assessment towards our feeding operations in the US. I think they're, they're going through their due diligence uh, so they can go back to China. The, the Chinese negotiators can go, can go to China and say they have done a risk-based, science-based assessment and uh, hopefully uh, we, we have no reason to think you know, that they wouldn't say that's been a very positive experience for them. Uh, I think they're looking more at the due diligence for their scientific analysis and, and are not linking that to our, our production here in the US. Okay, another question here. Any interactions with the packer community on this topic? And if so, what has been the feedback from the meatpacking industry? Uh, the meatpacking industry has, has been very similar to the cattle producers that, that we talk to. Uh, again, they make about $10 extra per head net if ractopamine is used in their in their supply. Uh, so that's money that they wouldn't mind seeing too. Uh, that's again, 27 per head for producers, you know, $10 for the packer. Uh, that's the more that can be exported to China, the more that uh, has a multiplier effect on their, on their own net profits. Uh, so that's where we think this is a win for producers, it's a win for packers and they as soon as we, as soon as China uh, says yes, and the U.S. and China negotiate the exact terms for that, then uh, we'll, we'll we'll adopt those, and uh, we'll be good to go. And uh, hopefully, everybody can continue uh, you know, making money. Uh, question here: What's going to happen in phase two? I I, I do not know. That's a uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a uh, a bit above my, my pay grade. Uh, as, far, as far as we're concerned, if China will agree to resuming the use of ractopamine in the U.S. beef and uh, U.S. pork supply, then uh, we should be go. We we should be good to go. I, I don't know of uh, other hurdles that we would need to overcome after that. Uh, again, they've done the right thing on hormones. They've done the right thing on uh, many other products, MRLs. And they've done the right thing on BSE. Uh, we we expect they'll continue to do the right thing on their process to approve ractopamine again. Okay, another question here. Understanding China has been meeting their deadlines. What is your crystal ball saying about getting the ractopamine products approved via the MRLs? Again, with our our, our best guess at this point is the sometime in the first half of next year. Uh, we think that that should be uh, sufficient for China to complete their risk assessment and for the negotiation between the U.S. and China negotiators to, to wrap up. Yeah, good questions, everyone. Yeah, I'm happy to take more if, uh, if, if you all have more. Do you have any more questions for Eric? We don't want to slide by too easy tonight.
There's one that just popped up. Yeah, question, are we going to send cuts or whole carcass? Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I do not know. Um, there's, there's other folks that are going to know that uh, answer much, much better than me. I don't want to lead you astray. Uh, so I, it, it's a good question. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know. Uh, Eric, here's a question for you. Where do you feel the greatest impact will be in the protein sector if phase one is approved? Oh, that's that, that's a good question. I I think you'll you'll see it for for U.S. beef. Uh, the the more you want to produce, uh, the more we can sell. Um, I think you'll also you know, see positive uh, movement in the pork sector when they can uh, use ractopamine again. Uh, I, I do think this is the case though, where rising tides lifts all ships. Uh, that doesn't, it's not always the case when we resolve uh, trade disputes. Uh, but in this case, uh, when we're facing such a, a shortfall of the 18 million metric tons uh, of pork, that's, that's a, that deficit in China, there really is gonna be more than enough for US beef and US pork to, uh, to use uh, ractopamine, uh, continue to use ractopamine in beef and to start using it again in pork uh, to, the, to the maximum of our uh, processing, our, our, uh, our production and processing potential. The more we can get out the door, the more they're gonna be willing and, and able to buy. So a follow-up question to that, do you have any particular numbers of head counts for beef being shipped versus pork if it's approved? Uh, I, I do not. I do not. And another question, how does your everyday position on Capitol Hill help the average producer? Yeah, that's that, that's a great question. We, we do the very best uh, that we can. And again, this is where this is where you can really uh, help us and it's really helping helping us help you in a sense is the more that, uh, so, so as, I, as I'm talking with, uh, with members of Congress, as I'm talking with their staff, as I'm talking with USTR, you know, they, they, hear, they hear this message from me you know, very frequently, um, but just to, be, just to be very candid about it, if there is a, a senator or a member of Congress from you know, Nebraska, Minnesota, Kentucky, that reaches out to their delegation, then that's, that's going to mean more to them. Yeah, so, so I'm a DC lobbyist, right? Uh, they, they can talk to me anytime they want to, but when they hear from folks that actually have the ability to cast a vote for them, uh, that, that's going to matter more. Uh, you, you probably hear that a lot when you talk to folks uh, who work in DC or have been to DC uh, quite a few times, but it's true. You actually have a, a greater impact talking to your state delegation than, than somebody like me would. Now, they'll listen to me and they'll, they'll come and they'll ask more details from me <laughs> But to help give them the political cover and the, the political uh, priority to reach out to the U.S. Trade Representative, to reach out to the Vice President's office, uh, it comes that that request comes better from you. Uh, you can be a, a bigger motivating factor than than I can. So that that shows them that yes, you know my producers. If, if I'm that senator, if I'm that member of Congress, my producers are asking for this. This will help my producers have a net higher profit in their in their pocket for raising the same number of animals. 
that's a good thing. The more I can keep my producers happy and profitable, the better it looks for me politically. That's their motivation. So that, that can be very, uh, that can be very helpful there. So uh, Eric, uh, this other question will give you an opportunity to put a big bow on this. Okay. What is the most important takeaway for us as producers from this information? Yes, I, I would encourage and I, I can give this information out to the, the state associations and, and Tanner can, can help with this too. There's th th this request really, uh, we want to make it as easy, easy for you as possible. So we, we can give you the language to use. You don't have to come up with anything yourself or any, any magic words. Uh, you know, I, I know before I came to DC, you know, I grew up on a farm, you know, diversified crop and livestock. And I never dreamed of talking to anybody in, in Congress because, I mean, what was I going to say? So, but don't worry. I mean, I come from that uh, background myself, uh, now haven't been in D.C. for a little while. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the, the messaging that you can use and literally put that into an email or put it or just on, a, on a phone call. You can read from it. And that, that's, that's really all that you need to say. Uh, the, the gist of that is really to, is to, when you're contacting your congressional delegation, you know, you want them to support the full implementation of phase one of the U.S.-China agreement, including the acceptance of ractopamine used in U.S. beef. And to be able to say then, to be shared with them, you know, China is buying significant quantities of beef and pork. You know, ractopamine, you know, improves competitive, competitiveness of U.S. beef. So if they're going to buy it, you know, we, they might as well be buying it from the U.S. as much as they can. The second point then China's zero tolerance for ractopamine represents significant lost income for U.S. producers and packers from reduced pr uh, production efficiency. Again, an average of $27 per head to the producer and $10 per head to the packer. And then the third uh, ask then is asking your, your delegation, please consider weighing into the White House. Again, the Vice President's Office, the U.S. Trade Representative, and the USDA. And if that, ha if that can happen, if you can reach out to your delegations and ask them to take action on your behalf, then we'll be in good shape and that'll help, that'll help maximize the potential of the US-China market uh, that, that, we, that we possibly could have for beef. Uh, so this, the, this ask, if, if, you're, if you're willing to weigh in, uh, is, I know your associations are very good about doing this, but if you individually uh, would feel so moved to, to make some outreach, uh, that can really go a long way. That can be very beneficial in, uh, in helping make sure that this gets pulled across the finish line and is ultimately successful you know, for all of us. Well, I don't see any more questions. I'm gonna turn it over to Allison. All right, thanks very much, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Mel, and thank you, Eric and Tanner from Alanco for uh, helping us put this on this evening. Um, obviously, trade is something really big when we're talking about um, export markets and, and just um, that bottom line of, of making sure that we're, uh, we're getting paid what we need to for, um, for our livestock and our livelihood. So we really appreciate um, all the work that you're doing um, on the Hill and, and, and with these trade negotiations and really representing the cattlemen. Um, I will also echo reaching out to your senators and congressmen and, and, and sharing your voice. Um, I've heard the exact same thing that Eric has when talking with our, our state legislators is 
uh, we're their go-to, but ultimately they know it's pretty serious when you guys are taking time out of your day to um, to share your concerns. So they really take it they really take it even more into consideration when you guys are reaching out. Um, other than that, thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, we hope that you have a safe um, harvest um, and please tune in. Um, we will be planning our next webinar series for November um, and stay tuned for details. Thank you all.